0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Judge Fred Gore. I have to my right, Judge Michael Stating, and to my left, Judge Allison Riggs. We'll get started today. We have one case on for oral arguments. Um, at this point, counsel, are you ready to proceed? I am, Your Honor. Thank you. Going to reserve any time? Ten minutes, please. Okay. Mr. Clerk. Right. Thank proceed. you.
1: Uh, good morning. May it please the court. My name is Robert King. I'm with the Brooks Pierce Law Firm, and together with my friend and partner, Matt Tynan, we represent the plaintiff class, or classes agreeable to the court I'm going to address the issue of the fee payer class and also the issue of damages and Matt will address the issue of the refund class specifically on the fee payer class I'd like to address three issues um, first uh, and this will sound like a rhetorical question but if a county wants to impose fees on its residents is it required to get a th- authorization and actually comply with that authorization uh, the answer is clearly yes as I will show the uh, position apparently taken by the county is that As long as they hire a consultant and give it a shot then that's all that they're required to do Uh, second what did the General Assembly require the county to do if the Orange County actually wanted to impose school impact fees it's obvious from the plain language of the statute which I'm going to show the court in just a moment that the General Assembly said yes you can impose fees on people but we're going to put some pretty serious guardrails on what you can do we're not just going to give you a credit card and say you can charge this and the people of Orange County are going to have to pay the bill um, specifically what the General Assembly said is we're going to give you this right to impose impact fees but you have to go through a three-step process you have to basically show your work you have to show us what it is or you have to show what it is you're going to spend the money on what your capital improvements are going to be that's step one steps two and three are then taking that information and using that to generate the fees and then the third question is what did Orange County actually do and as we discussed Cal- in our brief Council, hold
0: on one sec Mr. Clerk did his time start did the timer start we're just not seeing our we I, I, Mine just started, I'm sorry. Okay. Continue.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. Um, and the third question is, what did Orange County actually do? Um, as we discussed in our briefs, frankly, the county just ignored what the General Assembly said. And it's not simply that Orange County committed some technical violations of the enabling statute. So I will explain to the court, they actually did exactly the opposite of what the General Assembly told them to do. Uh, Returning to the first issue and just briefly, the law is clear that counties have no inherent authority to impose taxes or assess fees. If a county wants to impose fees, it needs specific authorization, which Orange County had. But then they have to comply with the authority that is given to them. The county's position, as I mentioned, is that since they hired a consultant, that's good enough and that they get to rely on what the consultant did. And I'll, I'll show that more in just a moment. So the second question is, what did the General Assembly actually authorize Orange County to do? Um, and require them to do if they wanted to impose fees and with this I need to provide a little bit of context for what what was going on here Orange County goes to the General Assembly and says we would like to impose school impact fees and the reason is we've got all these people moving to Orange County all these new people are coming in it's causing us to have to build new schools and we think it's fair that the people that are coming into the county uh, pay part of that Um, and that was a reasonable thing to do but the General Assembly said okay look we're going to put some guardrails on what you're doing here Um, it's obvious what the General Assembly was trying to uh, accomplish they did not want the county to say that it needed money for schools raise millions of dollars and then go spend that money on whatever the flavor of the day was the General Assembly said to the county that if the county really wants to impose school impact fees then the county would have to as we said when I was in school show your work the county would have to figure out what it actually needed for capital improvements and then use that determination to calculate the amount of impact fees. If made this is the um, I, I got Matt. This is the enabling statute. Um, I'll show this portion just because this is where it says the impact fees are authorized under section B and then this says what the um, fees are authorized for.
2: Council in subsection 2, what is your definition of capital improvements to schools? That is what is the definition of schools in your in your mind? Hey,
1: well I mean that's a great question Your Honor and uh, on that I hate to 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 um, put it off on our brief I, th- I think our brief does a better job than I would. Here's the most important thing about this issue Your Honor I'm going to come back to this. Um, the parties spent a lot of time in their briefs arguing about this. The court does not need to reach that issue and in fact the court should not reach that issue and the reason is because the entire fee system was illegal and the reason it was illegal it's because of this I mentioned the guard that the General Assembly put on what the county was allowed to do so they're allowed to calculate the amount of fees and the General Assembly said don't just calculate the amount of fees we're going to tell you specifically what you need to do and we're going to require a three-step process first step estimate the total cost of improvements the things that your honor was asking about schools however you want to define it but capital improvements that's the key thing here that will be needed during a reasonable planning period, not to exceed twenty years. So what the General Assembly said was, we want you to sit down, decide what your planning period is, and decide what you need. And I'm going to give the court some hypothetical numbers.
2: Well, I so I understand. I I, I I've read your briefs. I, I'm still a little bit confused about the definitions of schools, and if we reach there, I want to better understand it. But first, with this. Um, Part of the enabling act that you're talking about, the county ordinance says a 10-year planning period was used. What allows us to second guess that statement?
1: Oh, and and I'll I'll come to this because I actually blew that up, Your Honor. The answer is that they didn't actually do it. I mean, they they say in their brief, let me go ahead and jump to this, Your Honor. Um, The pivotal issue in the fee payer class is did they do this, these three steps. Literally, the first interrogatory we served in this case, we said, "Show us and show the court where you did these things." The county wouldn't do it, so we went to the trial court. We got an order compelling them to show us where did you follow these three steps? Show us that you did this. The county still wouldn't tell us, and the reason the county wouldn't tell us is the county didn't do it. So we asked their 30B6 witness, "Did you use a planning period and actually comply with this first step?" 30B6 witness said, "No, we did not do that." So given
2: that- And your position is the testimony of the 30b6 witness trumps the plain language in the county ordinance setting a period, uh, a time period?
1: Not at all, Your Honor, because the county ordinance says what the county ordinance says. I've got it right here. But the problem is they didn't actually do it. Because remember, the first step is not to simply have a planning period, but to say, here's our planning period and here's what we're going to do. So here, let me make up numbers. What should have happened is they should have said, okay, we're going to have a planning period of 10 years, because that's what our ordinance says. We're going to need a high school, $75 million. We're going to need to expand a middle school, $25 million. We need $100 million, right? That's the first step, saying exactly what you're going to get, how much money you're going to spend on it. The second step is establish a percentage of what's going to be paid by the fee-payer class. So in other words, they say, look, we need $100 million. How much are we going to get of that from the impact fees? Let's say we get 60%. So they want $60 million. That's step two. Step three is, how do you divvy up the $60 million? gonna say $5,000 if it's fewer than three bedrooms $10,000 if it's more than three bedrooms $2,500 per unit that's what's required now given the fact that this is as clear as it can be and I think the county agrees that they actually have to do what the General Assembly says given the fact that a judge ordered them to tell us how they complied with the statute and they said that they didn't um, we were um, astonished To read this in the brief from the county um, where the county represented to this court that they had done this. Now that came as a surprise to us since they kept saying that they hadn't done it.
2: And your position is in the Tischler by study which to me broke down things by cost and and did that. Your your position is that Tischler by study wasn't sufficient.
1: Oh it, it, it wasn't even the right approach and let me tell you why Your Honor. The, the three steps are very straightforward. What Tischler-Bice did was a completely different calculation. They did what's called the incremental expansion calculation. Doesn't have anything to do with what you're actually gonna build. The in- incremental expansion, and this is what Tischler-Bice did, is where you say, How much does it cost us to educate a kid today? Divide that by the number of kids. That's how much a kid costs us today. And then you say, we're gonna get somebody builds a new house how many new kids does that add let's say that adds two kids you take your per capita number you multiply it by the two kids that are in the household and that's the fee that's the incremental expansion method that's what the county used that's not this in fact the incremental incremental expansion approach doesn't have anything to do with how you're actually going to spend your money it doesn't have anything to do with figuring out what capital improvement you're going to need and let me here's the proof of the pudding Um, and and this I think illustrates better than anything else how bad the county got this wrong as the court may know Orange County has two school districts two boards of education they have the Chapel Hill Carver schools and they have the Orange County school system now the county Orange County never sat down and did the step one right during the relevant Put it right here so I don't wear myself out getting these thank you Matt. Um, they've got two different school districts they never took this step but actually the county did say what are we going to need in terms of new schools they never figured out how much it was going to cost but the county in 2008 said that we're going to not need any new schools in the county district we don't need any of this. And yet they made the people in the school district pay millions of dollars in impact fees. So according to the General Assembly, the people in the Orange County Board of Education school district should have paid zero because the county said they didn't need any capital improvements. In fact, people were paying up to $5,500 per household even though no capital improvements were needed and no capital improvements were built.
2: So adding trailers for learning to schools isn't a capital improvement in your mind?
1: Um, I think it could be your honor I mean I think that part of the statute is a bit unclear but the point is we never get to that point because you've got to do this calculation and it's clear what the General Assembly is trying to do they did not want Orange County to come to the General Assembly and say hey give us the authorization to do school impact fees they go out and milk the people of the county take that money and spend it on whatever they spend it on which brings me to another point I want to bring up the ordinance that your honor mentioned says how they're supposed to handle this money the 10-year planning period that they set it aside and so on and forth so forth nobody knows where that money went so they didn't comply with their own ordinance
0: so council before we get to the the exercising of the expenditure is it your contention that the way that they have actually come up with their estimate is not in compliance with what the legislature required in the scheme because it, it, it just seems, you know, obviously having some type of estimate seems to be what the, the spirit of the you know, statutory intent is. But get, get us to how what they did doesn't comply. Because that's a difference than oh, nothing I, done at all. I, I agree. So get us to where what they did do doesn't follow and comply with the letter of the statutory scheme
1: absolutely well and let's let's first be clear on what it is the general assembly requires as the general assembly said decide what your planning period is and decide what improvements we're talking about capital expenditures will be needed during the planning period and that's the thing that i said before we're going to need a high school we're going to need so on and so forth that's nowhere the, the county never figured out what it was going to need what the county did was as i mentioned before the incremental expansion approach and the problem with the incremental expansion approach is it doesn't follow any of these steps it's not what the general assembly told them to do and here's the thing it's the opposite of what the general assembly wanted them to do the general assembly said as i said at the very beginning we're not going to give you a blank check or a credit card that the people of the county are going to have to pay for you've got to show your work and show us how you're going to spend the money and come up with this the county never did that and and again in their brief um on page 22 here's what they said to the court and i could have I about fell on my chair when I read this page 22 of the county's brief here's what they say first the county identified a 10-year planning period for building schools that's great that's what this requires and they cite to 754 in the record second the county retained Tischler Bice to comply with the statutory directives to estimate the total cost of the capital improvements so what they told the court after we've been asking for five years page 22 is that they did this okay So we thought, that's great. We've somehow missed that for the past five years. So we looked at the record where they said that they did this. And here's what the record shows. Now, what the record should show is the county sat down and said, we're going to need a new high school. It's going to cost this amount of money. We're going to expand a middle school. It's going to cost this amount of money. That's what you would expect in the record if they complied with the first step. Well, here's what they cited. This is just a page from their ordinance that says that they have to use a 10-year planning period. And Judge Riggs is exactly right. I mean, the ordinance says use a 10-year planning period, which is consistent with what the General Assembly said, except they didn't do it. Now, the parties agree that we are here on a summary judgment record. It is a closed universe. And I'll be frank with the court. When we filed our opening brief, we were calling out the county. We said to the county, the universe of evidence in this case is closed. Everybody agrees you have to comply three steps i don't think they dispute that so look we're here show us show the court where you complied with these three steps and what they showed the court is an ordinance that says that they have to do it there is no evidence that they did it on what they the, 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 well what i would say your honor is well The record is replete with how they calculated the the incremental expansion um, methodology that they used. There is no evidence in the record that the county did any of the three steps that were required by the General Assembly. It just does not exist. And they also cited, when when they were representing to the court that they had complied with step number one, the only other thing they cited were three pages from an affidavit that the county provided. And all these say is, for example, the county relied on Tischler Bice to use its expertise to ensure that the updated impact fee studies comply with the statutory requirements. Their evidence that they complied with statute is that they hired a consultant to comply with the statute. There is nothing in the record that indicates that they ever took any of the steps that were required. And, and part of the point I'm trying to make, Your Honor, is this is not some technical violation. This is not a situation in which they got the right numbers. They just did it the wrong way. As I mentioned with the Orange County School District, according to the General Assembly, those people should not have had to pay anything, because if they sat down and figured out what they were going to need in the future, the answer is that they don't need anything. Well, let me, the first question, Your Honor, is they're welcome to hire any consultant they want. And if the consultant had done what the General Assembly said, we would have no legal complaints. Um, Tish LeBais seems, to, let me tell you what I, I think was going on. Tish is located in Maryland. Maryland is a home rule state, which means that counties have inherent authority. The approach they took, and this is obvious from their depositions, is that they assumed that counties can do everything that they want unless the General Assembly says they can't do. North Carolina is, of course, the opposite. A county can't do anything unless the General Assembly can do it. So to to go to Judge Riggs' second question, what could they have done to have gotten this right? It's very simple. Sit down with the Board of Education and the two boards of education you have in Orange County and say, okay, first of all, what's our planning period going to be? It can be up to 20 years. The ordinance says it's going to be 10 years. They didn't do it, but they said it's going to be 10 years define a planning period and then you say to the people of the school system what are you gonna need because we can only assess fees if it's going to be used to pay for capital improvements you decide what your capital improvements are going to be you decide how it's going to be paid for and those are the two steps social advice had every ability and the county had every ability to do it the right way it would have been a simple thing to do and the General Assembly was very clear about what the, General Assembly, uh, what the General Assembly was trying to accomplish, which was, show your work. Show us that you're going to use this money in a way that you're supposed to use this money. And then you're off to the races. Then you can spend the money the way you want to spend it. Um, I, I, I hope that addressed um, the, the court's question. Um, I have jumped around. And if the court will bear with me for just a moment. Um, I've almost covered everything that I wanted to cover with the court. Here, here's the bottom line, um, uh, members of the court. The General Assembly could not have been clearer about what they were trying to do. They said to the county, we are fine with you having impact fees. But this is not your opportunity to run wild and to spend the money you want to spend. All the General Assembly said, all they had to do was follow those three steps. If they had followed those three steps, we would not be here. But they decided not to follow those steps. They decided to hire Tischler Bice, and have and Tischler Bice um, use the incremental expansion method. And if you look at the record, apparently Orange County just signed off on it. Nobody at Orange County ever sat down and said, "Well, wait a minute, Tischler Bice, did you actually follow the steps the General Assembly mandated?" Um, they skipped right past that they used a different methodology they did the opposite of what the General Assembly told them to do they brought in a bunch of money that they didn't need they didn't spend it on the schools and they spent it on whatever the flavor of the day was at that time and the county can't tell anybody where the money went the only clear answer we got from the county in their 30 b6 deposition was that money is gone we're not sure where the money went So um, there were questions again about the costs that are included and what is meant by schools and so on and so forth on that. I would respectfully refer the court to our brief. But again, the court does not need to reach that. Because if the the county did not follow these three steps, then it's all illegal um, that they assess fees without having any authority to do so. Um, last thing I would mention is on the damages uh, question first of all there's no such thing as a partially illegal fee in this situation it's all illegal because it was assessed through a methodology that was not only not authorized by the General Assembly but was the opposite of what the General Assembly told them to do when we were at the trial court level in summary judgment we submitted evidence to the court of what our damages were and now it's just math the money comes back you pay apply interest we submitted the evidence we submitted a disk that had all of the underlying data on it and the response of the county was silence. County didn't object, county didn't rebut, the county didn't submit their own calculation. Now that we're on appeal, the county's position is, well, um, we object to you using that information. Well, they had their chance to object, to rebut, to put in their own calculation. They decided not to do so. Um, Everybody agrees that we're here in a closed universe and that this is an up or down decision by the court. evidence of the evidence of damages is um,
3: undisputed thank you I'll turn things over to Mr. Tynan Uh, good morning your honors my name is Matt Tynan and as Mr. King said um, I'm here to argue on behalf of the plaintiffs and the refund class on the refund class claims Um, the refund class consists of persons who paid approximately 1,400 fees to the county from 2009 to 2016 And are now owed a total of approximately 2.3 million dollars pursuant to the county's own ordinance and I'll note um, at the outset here that the amount of damages has never been challenged by the defendants either at the trial court or in their briefing to this court and we think those amounts are undisputed (coughs) they haven't said a word about them Um, the refund class claim boils down to which of two provisions in the county's ordinance applies in 2016 section 35 30-35E2 of the county's ordinance was amended. The first sentence provided that no refunds would be paid if the fees were reduced, quote, due to an updated school impact fee study. And the second sentence required the county to return the difference between the old higher fees and the new lower fees if the fees were reduced, quote, due to reasons other than an updated school impact fee study. And the undisputed facts show that the schedule of fees was reduced effective January 1, 2017 including fees that were less than those charged under the 2008 ordinance and that the reduction in fees was a result of the Legislative discretion of the Board of County Commissioners the county's desire to maintain revenue neutrality between the old fees and the new fees The board's balancing of competing interests and judgment about what felt fair and the board's desire to keep its head down on the advice of the county attorney All these facts have been admitted by the county in its discovery responses depositions and in the public record and they are not in dispute That is, the reduction in fees were indisputably caused by factors extrinsic to the tischler studies, and those were the cause of the fee reductions. Um, no, I don't think that's right. Uh, first of all, I don't think a but four cause is enough. I think it, um, <clears throat> the way I've thought about it is like this. If you go to a restaurant and somebody hands you a menu of options and you pick something off of it and somebody asks you, what's the reason you picked that item? Your answer isn't the menu. Your answer is the reasons that you actually did what you, you chose what you chose. Tischler bice presented a menu of options. In fact, you can see in the record of page 806, The county considered options from zero all the way up to the maximum fees calculated by Tischler-Bice, including leaving the fees exactly where they were. And for whatever reason, the reasons we've already established, they decided to lower the fees. And that was a choice that had nothing to do with the Tischler-Bice report. It was just a decision based on the policy factors. And and the the use of the Tischler-Bice report is not a cause. If you look at a menu, the menu doesn't make you choose something. You choose something. And the you are the cause of your choice, and the factors is extrinsic to the menu, not the menu itself.. <clears throat> um, and that gets to another point is the, the county would like the argument to stop after the first sentence in the ordinance, and that's not how interpretation of law works. You have to construe all of the provisions together. <clears throat> the second sentence of the ordinance provides that refunds shall be made if the there were reasons other than an updated school impact fee study and we think that if there is some sort of conflict between the first and second sentences that it has to be resolved in favor of providing the refunds. Uh, we've cited the case law. If Tischler-Bice came in and said, you're charging way too much for fees, you're actually only entitled to charge $500 to people for fees, and the county's charging $11,400, that study is forcing the county to reduce its fees. It's actually causing them to reduce them. The difference here is Tischler-Bice came in and said, you can raise all of your fees, and the county decided to reduce them instead. And so it's pretty clear the study itself didn't cause the reduction. If the study results indicated that the county had to, to stay in compliance with the statute and the constitutional requirements for impact fees, then that would be the, the study causing them to go down. To, obviously, the fees could always go down to zero. That has nothing to do with the study. And the, the county also acknowledged that they were considering leaving those fees exactly where they were based on the old studies. So they, they, didn't, they could have completely disregarded the Tischler by studies. They decided to go down for their own reasons outside the studies. Um, I see that I'm past my time. I, unless the um, court has additional questions, we're going to reserve the rest of our time for rebuttal. Thank you.
4: Good morning, Your Honors. May it please the court. My name is Sunny Haynes. I'm here on behalf of the appellees, Orange County, North Carolina, and town of Chapel Hill. The trial court's grant of summary judgment to the appellees should be affirmed because the trial court correctly concluded that the impact fees challenge were expressly authorized by statute and the trial court correctly concluded that the plaintiff's appellants did not meet their burden of proof with respect to showing that the fees were ultra vires. The trial court also correctly concluded as to the refund class that the plaintiff's appellants did not meet their burden of proof to show that there were refunds that were due under the amended refund provision of the educational facilities impact fee ordinance promulgated by the county. The county's primary argument in the trial court was always that the fees themselves are legal, that they were lawfully charged pursuant to the county's enabling legislation and that no refunds were due. To uh, the court's questions about the, uh, the authorization that was granted, this court has recognized before that Orange County was one of the limited number of local governments in the state that was expressly granted authority to charge impact fees. And most recently, the court recognized that in the Kid Construction Group versus Greenville Utilities Commission from 2020. Council, Yes, Your Honor. The
0: question I asked uh, counsel earlier as it pertains to the amount of compliance with what you did do. Yes, sir. You know, obviously, that's different than not doing anything at all. So get the court to where what was done with the study um, gets you in compliance with the statutory requirements.
4: Yes, Your Honor. What the court did was it identified a 10-year planning period. That is cited multiple places in the record, but it is true that one of those record sites is at page 754. It's also contained in the Tischler-Bice reports themselves because in looking at the projections that Tischler-Bice did, they did use a 10-year planning period. And what's important about that, Your Honor, is that under the enabling legislation, a violation of the legislation would mean that the county used a planning period that exceeded 20 years. The plaintiff's appellants in the court below presented no evidence that the planning period actually exceeded 20 years. So whether it was five or whether it was 10 or whether it was 15, in order to violate the statute, it would have had to exceed 20. And they had no record evidence of that. And there was no reason to second guess the county or its consultant when it identified a 10-year planning period because there's no record evidence to the contrary. Second, Your Honor, the county retained Tischler-Bice to comply with its statutory directive to estimate the total cost of capital improvements. And you'll see that in the Tischler-Bice reports as a cost per student. That was the unit that Tischler-Bice used, and there were several different components of that cost in order to come up with a number that was a cost per student. So the county did, through its consultant, estimate the total cost of of the capital improvements. It also complied with its statutory directive to periodically review and update the estimates to establish a percentage of those total costs that should be fairly borne by the developer paying the fee, and also establish a former formula that is that objectively and fairly apportioned the total cost. That was the entire point of hiring Tischler to do that, and apparently now the plaintiff's appellants would have this court second-guess the county's judgment in using an, an expert a nat- nationally recognized consultant in order to comply with the directives under the enabling legislation. Specifically, Your Honor, all of the steps that were in the enabling legislation that were required were accomplished through the 2007 and the 2016 updated studies. They determined the maximum fee that was allowable, and it also established an escalating scale to account for projected development growth in the community. That's why, even though the plaintiff's appellants did not dispute that the maximum supportable impact fee was incorrectly calculated, they essentially conceded that the county could charge up to 100% of that number, and the county never even approached actually charging 100%. The county never got beyond 60% of the maximum supportable impact fee at any time during which impact fees were collected. So the the issue below, Your Honor, was that the appellants did not prove that the impact fees paid included proper costs. And I would respectfully disagree with the fact that this court does not have to reach the issue of how schools is defined because part of the cornerstone of of the appellant's argument below was that schools only includes new school
2: buildings. So what is the... um what is the county's per the enabling statute what is the county's definition of what include what schools includes when we're talking about capital improvements to schools
4: well we go specifically to the language of the enabling legislation your honor which authorizes the county to charge the cost of constructing certain capital improvements capital improvements in the legislation include schools and the county's position is that there are more costs to constructing schools than just a new school building the whole point of an impact fee is to defray costs that are caused by new development and so one of the fundamental issues in this case is that the population of school-age children in the county that increases with new development does not solely necessitate new school buildings it also necessitates the expansion of existing schools so even though the county did not project that it needed a brand new middle school or a brand new high school there were expansion projects that were aimed at increasing the level of service and the capacity of existing schools
2: So, assuming I'm with you on that, what is your your best argument that the costs for buses and the Tischler-Bice Expert Report are allowable capital improvements because per a traditional Definition of capital improvements I'm I'm struggling to see where those fit in.
4: Yes, your honor our argument below and here Is that the cost of constructing public schools includes all of the things that it takes to actually run a public school? There's a right to free education in North Carolina And so in addition to the school building that also includes the portable classrooms that also includes a guarantee of Transportation to the school children so that's why bus and vehicle costs are included in that and as far as the consultant fee Itself, our our argument below is that that can be part of the design cost because the county would not know what to charge unless it was either paying for its own staff time to figure that out or it retained its consultant in order to determine that.
2: So then, is there any cost that would not be allowable under this assumption that the county has a duty to provide a, a free basic ed, free and decent decent? I'm gonna get the words wrong. Basic education, but. So what is not an allowable cost for capital improvements then? Because the way I would follow it is there is none. Well,
4: if there's something that's completely unrelated to the school itself, certainly that wouldn't be included. But our argument was that of all of the things that were listed in the Tischler-Bice reports, such as the land cost, the bus cost, the portable classroom cost, that those are all things that should be included as a cost of constructing certain capital improvements.
2: Right, but a a bus isn't typically a capital improvement. So understanding where this line is of what is a capital improvement and what isn't? If, assuming we get past the three-step process and enabling legislation, I I do need to better understand um, where that line is. I I hear you that buses and the expert study are allowable, but what isn't then?
4: Your Honor, I would say that if it's something that is not related to the actual functioning of the school, then it would not be something that the county was authorized to charge for. But as far as the components of the cost that were included, I I would struggle to come up with an exhaustive list of things that are allowable. And the General Assembly did not attempt to do that either. That's why it does not have a breakdown in the legislation of the things that can and cannot be paid for. But certainly we would not argue that something that is completely unrelated to the school's functioning would be included. That would not be our argument.
0: I got one, let me throw it out. What about a new football stadium? Bleachers, concrete, you know, stadium stands, you know, electronics. What about a new football field?
4: I'm not aware that uh, consultants who, who look at these issues across the country include those types of things, Your Honor. Uh, so I, I would say, based on what I've seen, they, they might not be included. But I can't say that specifically. It's not something that I've seen any consultants who are experts in this area speak to as far as the, the sort of recreational type of buildings that might be uh, that might be necessary for a school, uh, to the extent that they're necessary at all. There are some schools that, that don't have sports that's, in that that's, way.
0: That's my point. know that's considered extracurricular so with things that could be considered extracurricular that are non necessary for the educational function and the free free right education could arguably could those things be generated on that list? I
4: think think it's arguable that they may or may not be included. They certainly were not included in this particular case. Tischler-Bice did not include the recreational type of facilities like a football stadium or a basketball gym in these calculations. They were specifically looking at the things that relate to instruction. Not only getting the children to the school for instruction, but also a portable classroom. And part of that, Your Honor, is what's important to understand is the purpose of an impact fee. The purpose of an impact fee is to provide the local government with a revenue raising tool that does not include property taxes. And the plaintiff's interpretation of schools as only new school buildings would be an illogical interpretation because as we know and as the General Assembly would be aware, schools don't float in thin air. Under the plaintiff's interpretation, the county could spend the money on a new school building itself but couldn't pay for the land that it actually sits on. And it also doesn't give effect to other provisions of the enabling legislation, specifically the credits for improvements. Under the plaintiff's appellant's interpretation, the only type of improvement that a, that the county could provide a credit for would be a brand new school building. That would not include the dedication of land that it could provide a credit for, or any other type of improvement that that a developer or another individual might actually construct and dedicate to the school, and that the school, excuse me, and that the county could provide a credit for. So it's not an interpretation that actually makes logical sense. And it also, we would argue, that the General Assembly in its legislative intent did not intend to hamstring the county in being able to pay on the one hand for a school building with impact fee funds. But on the other hand, it can't use those same funds to pay for the land that the building sits on and it can't use those same funds to pay for the transportation facilities to actually get the children to the schools. So our it's an interpretation that does not seem to square with what the General Assembly actually intended. What was intended was to provide the local government with a revenue-raising tool that has been necessitated by the new growth in the county and in the school district without actually having to raise the property taxes in the county. And so, Your Honor, back to the point about the impact fees, Uh, below the appellants did not prove that the impact fees actually included improper costs. They offered no evidence whatsoever that the maximum supportable impact fee was somehow improperly calculated, and they also offered no support for their apparent position that there are components that cannot be separated out from the allowable portions of the ordinance. They would say, on the one hand, that if there's a new school building, that's allowable, that under their interpretation. But if the land or the buses and the vehicles can't be included, their their position is, It's all or nothing. If there's any component, whether it was authorized or not, if there's any component that that was not specifically laid out in the statute, then it's not allowable. And it's an interpretation that is not only illogical for the reasons I've stated, but it finds no support in the actual legislation or anywhere else in our North Carolina case law. So even
2: if, yes, Your Honor. Sorry, counsel. So, I think I follow then that you read the refund statute, which only addresses illegally imposed fees, um, to not speak to a situation where there are fees legally imposed and illegally imposed. Is that right?
4: Yes, Your Honor. And I I do want to speak to the refund class claims. Uh, All of the arguments aimed at the legislation principally deal with the fee payer class and the claims that were brought by the class under uh, that fee payer class. As to the refund class claims, the appellants did not produce any evidence to rebut the county's undisputed reason for changing the fee schedules. What happened was that in 2014, the county again retained Tischler-Bice to do a student generation study. That was the result of having new information that allowed the county to determine bedroom counts in particular dwellings in the county and to then determine that there were a certain number of students being generated by more types of dwellings than the county had data for in the past study in 2007. So using that information, the county would not have been looking at changing the fee schedules were it not for that updated information. And Tischler-Bice determined that there were certain categories of homes where more students were being generated. And it, one of the things that I'd like to point out is that the fees were not just reduced. There were other fees that were actually increased because based on those updated school impact fee studies, it was shown that more students were being generated by those types of housing. So therefore, those fees were actually increased. Everything was meant to be in proportion. This is about apportioning the cost to where it should be fairly and objectively apportioned. And the county did that by looking at the fact that if there's a certain type of dwelling that generates more students, that should be a higher fee. If there's something like age-restricted housing, where we don't expect for many school-age children to be coming out of that type of housing, then that would be a fee that went down. And there's been no evidence below to contradict the county stated reason that the change in the fee schedule in 2016 was due to those updated school impact fee studies. The fact that there were other considerations was actually addressed in the county's Rule 30B6 deposition. And the county there testified, or or through our witness, testified that the issue of the school impact fee uh, schedule would not have come up had it not been for those school's impact fee studies that were updated in 2016. Were there con- additional considerations of revenue neutrality and a break-even analysis? Certainly, but the only change in the schedules was due to those studies. So what the appellants really invited the court to do below and apparently invites this court to do is to make a credibility assessment about the county's stated reason that would not have been proper on a Rule 56 motion for summary judgment. And apparently the trial court did not engage in that credibility assessment to say that, no, the county's stated reason is not correct in the face of no record evidence to the contrary. So. The changes to the fee ordinance and the fee schedules <clears throat> were due to updated studies that yielded new maximum fees for an addi- additional categories of disaggregated dwelling types. So appellants failed below to prove that any refunds were owed, and although they may argue that the board had various other reasons, they didn't present anything to rebut the county's stated evidence and stated reason about the about the uh, the impetus of those fee reductions. So, your honors, the intent of the enabling act here was for the county to endeavor to approach the specified objective of apportioning capital improvement cost of constructing schools that were needed to accommodate new development. And the county followed the steps in the, enab- in the enabling legislation to do that. The trial court's grant of summary judgment to the county on the reef fund <laughs> class claim was based on that unrebutted evidence that I've discussed already as to the county stated reasons. And for all of these reasons, Your Honor, this court should affirm the trial court's grant of summary judgment to Orange County and the town of Chapel Hill. I do just want to briefly address the motion to strike, because it was a part of the record in this case, and it was one that the trial court denied plaintiff's motion uh, to strike. And just briefly, Your Honor, Your Honors, uh, The plaintiff's appellants wanted to strike the affidavits, though they said below that they were not going to press the issue of what they alleged was an untimely submission of the amended motion for summary judgment, though it's undisputed that the grounds for the motion for summary judgment did not change from the original motion that was filed 21 days before the actual deadline. What the amended motion did was really added an exhibit list for the trial court's ease because as your honors have seen, it's a voluminous record. So we added an exhibit list for the court's ease of reference and there were affidavits that were attached but they were as much in opposition to plaintiff's motion for summary judgment as they were in support of the defendant's motion for summary judgment. And as your honors know, under Rule 56C of the North Carolina Rules of Civil Procedure, it is permissible to submit opposing affidavits affidavits up to two days before the hearing. And these affidavits were actually served well in advance of the hearing date. Um, At the hearing, the plaintiffs actually advanced the argument that the affidavit evidence didn't matter and that they weren't pressing the issue of the motion to strike. So for all of those reasons as well, we would argue that this court should affirm the denial of the plaintiff's appellant's motion to strike below. If there are no further questions, Your Honor, I will wrap up. But I'm happy to answer any remaining questions.
2: Council, I have just one more, and probably should have interjected earlier. But um, as you mentioned, it's a voluminous record. Is there any evidence in that record to show exactly what the county spent the impact fees on? So, for example, did the county spend actually spend money on the buses, or did they spend did they pay the bills to Tischler Bice because they never charged? but but 60% at the highest of the maximum impact fees. So I'm just, I looked, but I just wanna ask you, is, is that evidence anywhere in this record? No, Your Honor, and the reason that it's not is because the way that this worked
4: is that the county remitted those funds to the school districts to fund the projects that they were uh, that they were using the money for. These were largely expansion projects. The money was also used to pay debt service on existing schools. And so that information from from my from the record, the plaintiffs-appellants never requested that information directly from the school district. And that would have been information that uh, several of those documents that would talk about these specific projects. What our thirty B six deposition. Uh, testimony revealed is that the chief financial officer for the county did not have all of these specific capital projects. So those were it, that was information that should have been subpoenaed from the school districts themselves because they were in the best position to know exactly how they use that money to fund specific projects. That request was never made. So that is not in this record, Your Honor, though it is true that all of the impact fee, ordinate, all of the impact fee money collected has been spent and has been spent for quite a while now. Thank you, Thank you Your Honors.
3: Um, thank you, Your Honor. Just to pick up on that last point, in the record at pages 1,044 to 49, there's the 30B6 deposition of the county CFO where he admitted that the county doesn't know where the money went. They could possibly track it. He's not sure. Um, even though the county's ordinance required the county to track where the, what the money was spent on, they never did it. And they weren't able to tell us despite being compelled to answer the interrogatories about where the money was spent. They never could figure it out. Um, I guess they gave the money away to the schools without figuring out what it was being spent on. Um, the county argues that since there was a statute that the fees were expressly authorized, that's obviously not how laws work. You don't just say there's a law so I can do whatever I want. You have to look at the words in the statute to find out what has been authorized. Um, the county claims that I identified a 10 year planning period. In fact, it's Um, 30b6 witness said that a 10-year planning period was not used and we know it wasn't used because the county's 10-year planning period document the 2008 school advisory (coughs) schools adequate facilities um, Technical Advisory Committee report indicated that no new schools were needed in the county schools district for 10 years And so we know they didn't use a 10-year planning period because if they had they would have concluded that the fees in the Orange County Schools District should be zero the Tischler Bice reports do not use a planning period. I don't know where this idea has come from that they did. Um, what they do do is calculate how much the county can expect in fee revenue over five years and ten years. They do not calculate what um, capital expenditures are actually required during that period. There's no analysis. <clears throat> um, the county's own expert said that the incremental fee, uh, the incremental expansion method, does not require you to look at what schools are needed in order to do the calculation. That you can do the calculation in a vacuum, and that's what tissler Place did. And the county in the 1990s when they did these calculations looked at what, after they did the calculation, they looked at what schools were planned and they took out the costs of schools they weren't going to build. That's how you would apply a planning period to the incremental expansion method. That was not done here. We know they didn't do it. And it, it's not an argument that the planning period was five years or 10 years or 15 years. They didn't use one at all, so effectively, they used an infinite planning period. They said whether schools are ever going to be built, these are the costs we're going to incur. Not these schools will be built in 10 years. They don't know when they're gonna be built. They never looked at it. (coughs) Um, The cost per student calculations that Tischler-Bice did are obviously not total costs. They just ignored what the statute said, which required them to analyze the total costs of capital improvements that would be needed. The incremental expansion method only calculates cost per student. It's not what the statute says. The analysis that you're looking at is the Tischler Bice's projection of what um, impact fees would be collected if they were to charge at the maximum impact fee. It is not an actual calculation of what expenses were to be expected. It is a multiplication of Tischler Bice's own numbers in a vacuum without reference to what schools were planned to be built. Um, you don't need to charge an impact fee consultant to build a school. That couldn't be more obvious to anyone. Even their own expert agreed that's not a capital expenditure. It's not a capital improvement. It shouldn't have been a part of the fees. Um, the county, I think the, your honor was right to ask what's the limit of the county's position. There isn't one. Essentially they're arguing that the, fee, the statute doesn't matter. They have infinite fee authority for whatever they want to charge. Um, they said all the things are listed because that's what they need to say in order for what they did to be legal um but there's no principle that would allow that an impact fee consultants charges shouldn't be part of a school impact fee buses shouldn't be part of a school impact fee off-site transportation facilities shouldn't be part of a school impact fee off-site administrative buildings shouldn't be part of a school impact fee um the the county's position is essentially given an inch, take a mile we have a statute so we were allowed to do whatever
2: we want i see my time is up so thank you